We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. As always, I'm here with Jason Pat And Jace, last time we did this podcast, the Bulls had won three out of four. The vibes were trending in a positive direction. As we record this podcast on Monday evening, the Bulls have lost three straight. Not necessarily a huge surprise, Jace, given the schedule. Bulls had to play at Phoenix, lost that game 132-113 in a game that wasn't as close as that score might indicate. (laughs) They lost to Golden State two nights later, 119-111. Again, not really as close as the score indicated. And then they lost last night to the Sacramento Kings, 110-101. So uh, the Bulls currently sit at 9-14 overall. If the season ended today, the Bulls would have the sixth worst record in the NBA and a pretty decent chance of keeping their top four protected pick in the lottery. Uh, The Bulls end this six-game road trip that we knew would be extremely treacherous at two and four overall. The Oklahoma City Thunder game where the Bulls lost in overtime is the big missed opportunity on that trip for the Bulls to come away with a 500 record. And now the Bulls return home to play three of their next four at the United Center. Dare I say, Jason, December will be a season-defining month for the Bulls. I think uh, if there's any hope of the Bulls getting back into the playoff mix, certainly the play-in mix is still very much on the table. But if they're going to turn this thing around, they're going to have to turn it around in December. Pretty favorable schedule facing the team. Uh, But a lot of these games, as we'll talk about, are pretty much coin flip. So the Bulls are going to have to find a way to win some, you know, evenly matched games. Uh, I guess, you know, before we sort of dive into what we saw uh, on the Kings game specifically, I'm just wondering, Jace, big picture right now. How are you feeling about your (laughs) Chicago Bulls? I mean, it's certainly hard to feel great. I am still um, 
pushing back against, I mean, we know from Bulls Twitter, just the Bulls, Bulls fan base. I think there is a large amount of people who are looking at this thing and said, saying this thing sucks. It's time to whatever, tr- make trades, tank, rebuild, whatever. I am going to, I am going to hold out. I'm holding strong against that notion for right now. Um, I think there are still some reasons to think that they can get back into whatever play in. I mean, I, I tweeted about this last night. Look at the Eastern Conference. And it kind of just sucks. We thought it was going to be much better than it would be. And maybe they will. Maybe some some teams will rise to the top. Um, but, like, it's kind of garbage. Uh, Boston's awesome. They're the best team in the league by far. It's not really close. Milwaukee is very good. 16-6. They have Giannis. They're great. The Bulls did beat them. The Bulls, Bulls are 3-1 and one against the top two teams in the East, which is kind of a miracle. The Cavs look pretty damn good. Uh, last night's game, notwithstanding, where they shot, like, 30% against the Knicks and lost. I think that was the Knicks. So, but the rest of it is crap. I mean, the Hawks are fourth. They're thirteen and ten, and they there's whatever rumors coming out here about whatever Trey Young and Nate McMillan not getting along issues there. Their offense has been kind of iffy. I think they they might even shoot fewer three pointers. They're they're a terrible three point shooting because Trey Young's been shooting terribly, and they just have not been shooting many threes this year. I think they're right around the Bulls in a lot of those stats. Um, the Sixers are twelve and eleven. They are getting James Harden back tonight, I believe. Uh, so that should help. But I mean, they've kind of been dilly dallying along with all their injuries. The Pacers, 12 and 11, they're starting to come back down to earth. Toronto, 12 and 11, they've been hurt a lot. Brooklyn, 13 and 12, we know everything that's going on there. Miami's 11 and 12, they've kind of picked it up. The Knicks are 11 and 13. The Wizards are 11 and 13. They've fallen back down to earth too. So, like, a lot of these teams just kind of suck. They're just kind of mid. So it's like, if the Bulls can actually take advantage of some of these coin flip games, as you said, in December, I mean, they play the next three fucking times coming up here in like the next two weeks. They literally play them back to back coming up here. 14th, December 14th, December 16th, they play the Knicks at the United Center. And then they play the Knicks again Friday, December 23rd, right before Christmas. They have two games at Atlanta this month. So like that's huge. When we're talking about like trying to move up the standings. You got to win at least one of those games in Atlanta. Those will be tough. Atlanta's pretty good. Uh, but th- those, these are some of the games. I mean, even this week, the Wizards are starting to fall off. You got to win that, that Wizards game at home. Dallas, they have Luka, but they're like two and eight on the road this year. So like, and you'll have, you'll be rested. Like Bulls need to win both these home games this week. Like they got, they got to, they, they got to start winning. They got to take advantage of being back at home, win these couple games here. Take advantage of when you're playing the Knicks at home. I mean, the Timberwolves are coming up. They've been iffy. Cat is out. You're going back to Miami where you already won at Miami. Uh, Jimmy's had injury problems. So, like, as you said, they play Houston later this month. Like, as you said, a lot of these coin flip games, it's where the Bulls are going to have to make some hay in this mediocre East. So, like, if they do, they could still get back to whatever, a respectable level. Maybe even they get into the top six. Of course, uh, we still know they're not that good. And if you're looking even bigger than just like whatever, getting back into the mix of this blah in the Eastern Conference, like you still can say, well, this team isn't going anywhere. The top three guys, they can't play together. They're still whatever, like a minus six net rating together on the season. All that, I get it. I understand the desire to tank, but I'm just still not there after being so bad for four years. Um, I still am hesitant to just blow this thing up already. Again, it now if they if if December goes like shit and like we're looking at fi- and they're like still five or six games under five hundred going into the new year on uh, with no Lonzo Ball like in sight, uh, then you definitely start 
or even even worse than that, like with the record, then you start like thinking like, all right, maybe they do need to really do something drastic here. But like, I need to see them suck against some of these other mediocre teams first. I know that I guess they have sucked. I mean, they lost the Thunder, they lost the Spurs, and the Spurs haven't won a game now in like a month or two months, two weeks. Like they're, the Bulls have a few really bad losses on their on their ledger right now that really makes this record look worse. I mean, I mean, even last night, like the Kings are good. The Kings are, have legit been fun and good this year, but like they beat the Clippers ass on Saturday. I was hoping maybe you catch them, um, catch them on the second of a back to back. I know the Bulls are at the end of a road trip and that's always tough, but like I was hoping to catch you, whatever, an okay team, second of a back to back, maybe a letdown game after they smoked the Clippers. And I mean, the Kings were up big that game for most of it. The Bulls didn't make another second half run. And then they couldn't finish the job. They fell apart. They they couldn't do it in the end. Uh, Zach Levine has, I, I guess, if there's anything really nice to take away from that Clippers game is that, or Kings game is that Zach Levine finally looked like all star Zach Levine with 41 points, 16 to 28 from the field, took three nine three pointers. They only made three of them. Could use a bit better there, but um, like a complete Zach Levine performance there. It's just that everyone else sucked. Demar Derozan sucked. A couple bad games for him in a row. Uh, Vooch didn't do anything. Patrick Williams started again. I mean, he just had a normal pat kind of whatever game. Uh, the bench stunk. Drummond and Dragic, I think we're both like minus 12 and barely played. And I noted this on Twitter today as well. That Andre Drummond, since coming back from uh, his injury, the Bulls have gotten smoked in his minutes. That like Drummond, Dragic magic uh, has not been a thing this month. It's really come back down to earth. Dragic was really good in that Warriors game and almost helped them come back from that 18 point deficit in the fourth. But like the bench has come back down to earth a bit, which is which is troubling because the starters have been have been struggling. So like there's not too much to like, but with Zach looking really good, if he starts stringing together some really good games, you have to figure DeMar will find his groove again. Um, you hope uh, whatever the bench can start playing better. Hopefully Javante's not out too long. I know he missed last game. We'll see if Javante does come back, if they do stick with Javante and Caruso in the starting lineup, because that was a big change that Billy made uh, for that Warriors game, going to Javante and uh, Caruso in the starting lineup. We'll see if that sticks. Um, I don't know. We'll see. So, like, big picture, it's it's hard to be like super optimistic, but there are like bre- like soft rays of light where you can kind of talk yourself in the bulls getting back into the mix here. Hit me with a lot there, Jay. I, did. I feel like we could take any direction, but I kind of want to start with Levine. I believe a couple days ago you tweeted, or you might have put it in a group chat we have. You know, when's the last time Zach Levine had a signature performance? Well, finally, he had one against the Kings, 41 points, really efficient scoring night. Levine, just by me counting up on a shot chart, went 10 for 10 inside of the restricted area. Huge. And that's really encouraging because when you think about why Zach Levine got a max contract from the Bulls in the first place, it was because he's very good at two things, getting to and finishing at the rim and ripping three pointers on volume. I think as this season has played out in a disappointing fashion, people have uh, again put some of the weaker aspects of Levine's game under a microscope. Doesn't have great vision as a passer. He's not really a super high IQ decision maker. Defensively, you can really take advantage of him off the ball, on the ball defense uh, can be a mixed bag, but he just is a thin frame. So he's pretty easy to like drive through uh, if you're a bigger, stronger offensive player. But to me, Levine kind of is what he is at age 27. Uh, I don't expect him to take a big leap in passing vision. He's taken like small leaps there over the last couple of years. 
I don't expect him to suddenly become a lockdown defender. For Zach, what I want him to do is just get back to what made him so good in the first place, and that's ripping threes on high volume and being a monster getting to the rim. Now, before the Kings game, I believe Zach Levine was finishing 59% of his shots at the rim, which was a 10-point drop from last season when he made 69% at the rim. Uh, Just after the Kings game, when he went 10 for 10 inside the restricted area, he's now up to 65% at the rim. So suddenly, some of Levine's markers are starting to look a little bit more encouraging. Of course, Still a small sample size this early in the season. 19 games played for Levine on the year. So one big game can sort of affect things. But I thought that that was what you want to see out of Zach. You know, Zach is never going to be an awesome crunch time decision maker, or ball handler. He's never going to really be a plus defender. But can he get back to consistently getting to and finishing at the rim in ripping three pointers on high value? So that's really what I'm hoping to see out of Zach. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah. Bulls, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say about Zach, like I've been critical of him because I mean he was he's been bad this year. He obviously is coming back from surgery. It's easy to have hindsight and say the Bulls should not have paid Zach the max. Whatever criticisms you've had for him, the fact of the matter is the last couple seasons Zach was one of the best player, best offensive whatever scores in the NBA. High volume. We've gone through this. The high volume, high efficiency stuff. That is what Zach has been the last couple of years. He earned that max deal. And like, even with whatever, with injury concern, like say whatever you want about the Bulls paying him or whether they should have or not. I'm still totally for it. Even if this deal goes to shit and if he like doesn't consistently get back to that level, uh, I mean, that could just end up being bad luck with the knee if it ends up being a bad thing. But like it's hindsight to say like with Zach playing poorly up till this point until this game yesterday that all oh, they they shouldn't have done it. Zach has never been good, blah, 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 blah. But like. Last couple of years, he was really good. And once they finally started getting some better players around him, like the Bulls were a better team. Like, is he a top, top tier guy? No, he's not. And he's probably is probably around at a ceiling. Like if you wanted, like watching Devin Booker play the other night when Devin Booker absolutely roasted. And I mean, Zach had a great game tonight, but I mean, Devin Booker had 51 points through three quarters. And like once there was once a time where like Booker and Zach was a conversation. I think that is clearly not anymore. Booker has like fully mastered like everything as an offensive player in terms of like the ball, his control, like kind of like DeMar getting to his spots. He's just an absolute mid-range killer. He can shoot, make threes too. Like I just don't Zach. I just don't think that's like the handle and like probably like the, and quite the bag and like basketball IQ that Devin Booker is, but like he's still a really damn good player. And we saw that we saw that he can have these explosive games. Uh, we, he's had them before. Yeah, it was great to see him have that one, have this last night. Now can he can sustain it? Because that, I mean, obviously if Zach is playing at a level where he's scoring 21 a game on bad efficiency. The Bulls are going to suck. If we start getting more games where he's good, and then hopefully these other, if DeMar, like they just can't get all, like they just can't all get on the same page at the same time, it seems. But if him and DeMar actually consistently start putting together good games, and if they can have good games together, that obviously makes the Bulls way more dangerous and hopefully start winning a lot more games. Yeah, I would say... While Booker has like obviously just flown past Levine in terms of like the overall perception and effectiveness of both players, like why has Levine stagnated? I think it's because his body's broken down. And like realistically, this should be the prime of Zach's career. That's why I thought paying him was a you know pretty good bet by the Bulls. Age 27, 28, 29. Third should be his prime. Those should be the prime years of his career when he still has 
you know, relatively his peak physical abilities, but now he's improved at like the mental aspects of the game and some of the more like refined skill aspects of the game. But Zach's success has always been predicated on his physicality, his lightning quick first step, his ability to rip threes off, you know, off movement, off the dribble, uh, and his explosion at the rim. And now he just doesn't have the same pop around the basket. I think he looks really good jumping off two feet. He does not look good jumping off one foot. And that's a big difference because just like the split second it takes to jump off two instead of one gives the defense a chance to recover, you know, challenge a shot. I think when Zach was at his best, he was one of the better one foot leapers in the league could able, you know, was able to quickly rise above the basket and finish. And he just doesn't really have that right now, but he had it yesterday. So look good against the Kings. Uh, encouraged about that. Uh, the other thing that's a big takeaway from this road trip, Jace, is the lack of shooting. Yes. Now, obviously, this is not surprising because me and you complained all offseason about the fact that the Bulls finished dead last in three-point rate last season, percentage of shots taken from three-point range, and they did really nothing to address the shooting over the offseason. Uh, I got some numbers right now for you, and we're going we're gonna to put them out there. So three-point attempts per game. Bulls are taking 28.7 three-pointers per game. That ranks dead last in the NBA. It's last by one full shot a game ahead of the Hawks. Uh, the Warriors take 43 threes a game the Bulls take 28.7 so they're dead last in three-point attempts per game how about three-point makes per game any guess where the Bulls rank there Jason it's 28th out of 30 uh in terms of three-point percentage they're higher so they're like an average shooting team when they actually do let one rip but they don't take enough of them they don't take enough of them for a variety of reasons but I would say the main reason is because they don't have enough good shooters yeah I mean good shooters the reason that I think the percentage is up is some of the right guys are taking them, but then like the other guys just don't take them. So that, so it's like <laughs> when you have like Pat teams is, are just baiting, yeah, go baiting ahead. the Bulls bad shooters into yeah. taking wide, wide, wide open threes, and a lot of the Bulls attempts are wide, wide, wide open threes. So just no shooting on this team whatsoever, and we knew that. This is not a surprise. It is also very, very difficult to see a game like last night when the Kings take 43 three-pointers. The Bulls took 25. The Kings only made 30% of their threes, but the difference in makes was also the difference in the final score between the Bulls and the Kings. The Bulls got to the line as much as the Kings did, made as many free throws as the Kings did, scored a little bit more efficiently inside a two-point range, but the Kings just ripped a lot of threes, and because of that, they won even on a night when they couldn't really make a bunch of them. Yeah. They only shot 30%. Kevin Herter was one of 11. Like Kevin Herter has been one of the best shooters in the league this year. And he went one of 11. The Bulls lucked out a normal Kevin Herter shooting night. And that's a 20 point loss probably. Totally. So then the other issue is the continued trend we've seen of the Bulls, three best players, Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, Nikola Vucevic, just playing like shit together. <laughs> Currently. Those three, when they're on the floor, have a net rating of minus 6.3. This is interesting, Jace, because all three are offense-first players. 
If you want to know why the Bulls offense ranks number 25 in the league right now, it is due to two reasons. Their big three, their top three players do not play well together. And number two, they don't have any three-point shooters. Those two reasons, I think, are very much related. If you were to put more shooting around the big three, perhaps they would be able to perform better. Instead, they're playing in cramped spacing. Uh, All three of them are really taking a lot of mid-range shots. And because of that, the Bulls offense sucks. 25th in the league, (laughs) not going to get it done. Jace, do you see any way this offense turns it around this season? And do you have any solutions to either the big three getting going or like any way to just juice more three pointers? I mean, it's just so hard to say. I think Zach getting back to a somewhat level, somewhat closer to his normal level will help just naturally. If he starts shooting better, he starts finishing better. That should help. Uh, I mean, Vooch has been fine. Like, you look at Vooch's stats, and the, they're, like, fine. Like, 16 and 11 or whatever, 16 and 12. His three-point shooting has come down a bit, which is disappointing. He's back down to, like, 34% now. Zach definitely has room for improvement, as said. Like, DeMar, I mean, DeMar, the la- before the last couple games, DeMar's numbers that were basically right in line with last year. Uh, the pro- Yeah, but so, like, Zach needs to be better. But, like, the personnel-wise, like, what are they? What are they going to do to actually help? Well, like obviously Lonzo doesn't seem like he's going to come back this year. Pat Pat is shooting pretty well from three, but he's still pretty low volume. Forty, I think he's like 42 percent, but it's like three a game. The IO three point shooting thing has just totally gone away. That's dead. Uh, he felt he had he got off to a hot start and was taking a decent amount, but that's come way down. Uh, so that leap just really hasn't come to fruition after the hot start. And then just the rest of the role guys like aren't they don't shoot much. Uh, I mean, Kobe has had a few good games when the Bulls beat the Bucks. They made 18 threes and Kobe hit with like four or five of them since Kobe. had, And then in that jazz game, he also had a really nice game since the, in the three games since that jazz when Kobe has 11 points total. He just doesn't do it. Kobe just is not consistently good enough to be that consistent guy, even though he's like one of their better shooters. They if he's going to be out there, he needs to be ripping threes. And like sometimes he does he does it. But other times he doesn't. He goes through these funks where he just is totally he just doesn't doesn't do anything, and that he, the Bulls need him to be able to shoot a ton of threes per game when he's playing. I mean, the other guys like love Javante Green. He's not a three point shooter. He he doesn't just take that many. Derrick Jones Jr. is a terrible three point shooter. This so again goes back to like why I thought it was a mistake to bring back both guys. Like Derrick Jones Jr. in a vacuum has been fine, and like you look at his net rating, it's been pretty good. Like and they use him as a backup five, but like when you also have the rest of this roster that can't shoot, like having all these guys who can't shoot, like. Some of these roster spots can be used on a good shooter. Even moving past them, though, the Bulls also are being weighed. The end of the roster is still weighed down by multiple guys who can't fucking play. And it's multiple centers. I'm going to continue to complain about Tony Bradley and Marcus Simonovich having guaranteed contracts on this team. They can't play real minutes. There's no reason for them to have guaranteed contracts on this team. Even if you bring in some schlub who, like, I mean... From somewhere, like even the, the, the I know the Lakers just cut him. I'm not saying they should go sign Matt Ryan, but like the Lakers tried to fix their shooting problem by signing a guy who was like a DoorDash driver off the street because he at least got up threes and was making a decent percentage. Like I would much rather go try to just bring in some shooter off the street than have Marcus Simonovich and Tony Bradley on this roster. Why are they still here? Like they've treated Marco like a two way guy for two seasons now, except he's not on a two way contract. He's on a guaranteed deal. So like. Again, obviously, this is end of the roster complaining stuff and the big issues with the front of the roster. 
still are an issue, but like maybe if they had better shooting, maybe the front of the roster and the be- the stars would play at least a little better. Um, so it's like, and like Dale and Terry, their first round pick, like it would be fun to see Dale and Terry maybe get some minutes. I mean, there's no evidence that he can, he's ready to perform right now. He can't shoot either. Another terrible. I mean, there's up and down the roster, like Dragic has come back down to earth. Drummond can't shoot. Like they just don't have guys who can shoot the ball at a high level. It's Zach. It's Kobe sometimes. Uh, and that, and then Lonzo Ball, who's injured, and like that's basically it. Uh, if you if, if you're like looking at guys who can like consistently make a jump for you, and I mean P- Pat has been all right, but he's slumping right now, uh, and he just doesn't get up enough. He's just, and his release is still very slow, and like I don't feel good about him shooting consistently. So it's like, how does that get fixed? I mean, make maybe they do try to pull somebody off the street, but they have a full roster, and like they don't want to pay anymore. They have them. They have half their mid level still. They don't want to go into the luxury tax. So like. And not even that they that they would actually have to use it on any of the I don't even know who's actually out there right now who would actually help them, but like and then in terms of making trades, like we talk about trading Kobe White, but like he's one of your shooters. So like you need to get an actual upgrade. Um you know who would be nice on the team right now? Jeremy Grant, who's shooting like 45% from three and averaging like 23 a game. Remember when we talked about trading for Jeremy Grant? Well, he's having a great the Blazers got him for nothing. He's having a great season. Uh maybe the Bulls would be a lot better if he was their starting power forward. I don't know. So it's like where what do they go from here to fix these issues? I just don't know if there's anything that they can really do besides Zach Levine start taking stuff Curry the amount of threes and take like twelve a game. Uh, I mean, it would be nice if Pat would increase his volume. We talk about Pat Nio increasing volume, but like it just doesn't seem like that's going to be a thing. Maybe it will. Maybe they'll get more comfortable at some point. Kobe, when he's playing, Kobe's getting minutes. He has to be launching threes and just be ready to always shoot. So it's like I don't know. I just I'm not totally sure. It's it's. It's brutal to have this, whatever, your offense first stars leading your team on a team that's bottom, whatever, five, basically, in offensive rating. Like, that's crazy. It's fucking terrible. <laughs> you know, who I really mentioned, mentioned Alex Caruso can't shoot either. We talk about changing, whatever. Billy changes the starting lineup, but Caruso went scoreless last game. Uh, he just is not shooting the ball well offensively. And they put in Javante Green, who, again, we love Javante. We love Javante and Caruso's energy, but like, those guys starting is just going to cramp the floor. So like, while they'll help, while they'll help defensively and help with their deflections and their energy, like they're just not going to be helping offensively and helping make things easier for the starters. So it's like for the stars. So it's like, I don't know. Like, so what did you think about the lineup change? Did you, were you surprised that it happened? Do you think they should stick with it? Uh, We've talked about it before earlier in the year when they were struggling, when Pat was struggling, if they should do it. So what did you, what did you make of the lineup change? Loved the lineup change. Thought it was overdue. Thought it was a no-brainer. So they did that ahead of the Warriors game. Yes. You're coming into that game being like, by the time Caruso checks in, Curry's already going to have 15 points and the game's going to be a blowout. So I thought it made a lot of sense to start Caruso on Curry. Curry. I don't have the box in front of me right now. Curry but didn't Curry do did not no. an amazing game. Yeah, he no. scored maybe under 20. In 19. It was Jordan Poole was so, the one that killed them. Yeah. Of course, Jordan Poole, who's had a disappointing season in general this year, gets his get-right game against the Bulls. That's not surprising whatsoever. But uh, I do like the idea of Caruso starting because it would make sense to put your best defensive player guarding the other team's best guard at the start of the game. Instead, a lot of times by the time Caruso comes in, well, then the other team's star player is checking out. So... To me, that's a no-brainer. Crusoe should start. As much as I like Io, in Io, I've been encouraged by him mostly this year, but Caruso is next level defensively. 
He's one of the team's best players. He should be in the starting lineup. Now, Crusoe, can you like hold on to the ball? He's top <laughs> five in the league in turnover rate. He's the only guard in the top five. The rest of it's all bigs. And then it's Caruso. Caruso just has no ability to handle the ball right now. And yeah. it's a big issue for the Bulls. Uh, and then in terms of Javante, I've been calling for it since the preseason, as loyal listeners of the podcast will know. Like, I think Javante just fits better with the Bulls' big three than Pat does. You would hope that moving Pat to the bench sort of gets him going. But you know what? At this point, I don't feel so strongly about Javante starting because I think Pat's shown us something. And really, I just want more and more Pat whenever I watch the team. Like, give us one thing to be excited about, which would be the development of Pat and Io. Pat has taken a small step this year. Like, I guess he's developing, but he's developing very, very slowly. Uh, and, you know, is he a bust? Well, was Marvin Williams a bust? He was the number two overall pick. He had a long career. He certainly was not worth the number two overall I think bust is wrong. Bust is the wrong way, I think, to look about it. Like, bust is the wrong way to frame it. But he was a horrible number two overall pick, if you're talking about Marvin Williams. I think Patrick Williams, you know, Marvin Williams might be his ceiling at this point. And that would be a pretty solid player. And Pat would make a ton of money in his career if that happens. He has a long way to go to even get that far. And it would still be a disappointing outcome for a number four overall pick. And it would look like a bad pick. I mean, there's just no way around it. Now, obviously, you look back at that year and like the only guy Tyrese Halliburton passing on is Tyrese Halliburton. Now, a lot of Bulls fans have hammered them for that. But basically, every team in the league can play that game or every team in the lottery, at least. Uh, Like, how do the Suns feel about passing on Tyrese Halliburton for Jalen Smith? If the Suns take Halliburton, suddenly them passing on Luka for DeAndre Ayton doesn't look so bad, right? Because they landed another really good guard. In Halliburton, well, they blew that pick too. <laughs> uh, you know, same Aiden, with the Knicks. Aiton killed the Bulls, by the way. Absolutely fucking destroyed them, him and Booker together. It was basically them too, and that was it. Aiton was dunking all over the Bulls. And uh he and he he's had some really good games lately. Like obviously passing on Luke was always gonna be a huge, huge mistake. But Aiden, after all that drama, and we talked about the Bulls, should they go after him? He's looked pretty damn good lately, and he's playing playing strong. Uh, dunking on people like he should be because he's a fucking giant human and that's what he should be doing. And that's what he did to the Bulls. So he crushed he crushed them. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, Pat, he's developing too slow for the team's timeline. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. They should be waiting for Jeremy Grant. I felt very strongly about it last year, as podcast listeners may remember. Go back and find those episodes. I was <laughs> arguing so passionately you were. in favor of trading Pat for Jeremy Grant. And I was right. Yeah. And, it's like, you know, when it comes to Pat, I think he's, I think like I, when you call someone a bust, I feel like that's when they like don't even get like a second contract or they like don't even like make it through a second contract. Like, I think Pat's going to get a, a second contract, like a, a decent one. I think he'll be in the league for a while. He is like physical tools and attributes and he's like solid enough defensively. I know like some advanced stats say he's been like really great defensively. I don't by watching games and stuff like that. And some of the other numbers, I don't know about that. He's had his moments for sure. And he's like a decent enough shooter. He's shown enough, like some juice off the dribble uh, where I think he'll stick around for sure in the league, but it is, it is. And we want to be patient again. He's 21. We know some of this stuff can go slowly, but like, I think the the like the star equity with him is definitely it's just hard to see it because like he has like moments like we get so excited when he shakes Jason Tatum in crunch time and like makes a few jumpers or he takes really strong goes coast to coast and like finishes but like he does that like once or twice a game like if you're gonna be a star and be a player you have to do that all the time and it's just like I know the situ- roster situation is tough for him right now but like I mean he just had a few games where he was just like completely atrocious and like. In year three, I know this is almost more like a year two for him. It's just his like scoring stats are almost identical all across all three seasons now. It's been around like nine points a game. Like if the guy's going to turn into a star, you have to start having showing some upward mobility in your scoring average and like your scoring package and stuff like that. And just like so like I think he's going to be a fine role player for a long time as like a number four pick. That's disappointing. It's still OK. But like I think it's also just compounded by the fact that the Bulls had all these other picks higher picks, whatever, the seven picks in a row. And like none of that really panned out either for them. Like obviously like now Lowry's playing all-star caliber ball in Utah and like Wendell's look pretty good. Kobe is Kobe. So it's like compounded after all the other like misses for the Bulls, if you want to call them misses, it's just tough. And with this timeline, as you said, like since the Bulls went into whatever, the win now timeline with DeMar, Lonzo, Caruso, Zach, they probably should have cashed in the Williams chip. And like the straddling of the two just does not seem to be working. 
they're trying to develop him, but it's not really going anywhere. He's not making the team better, but the team is also struggling. If that like, that was like the one chip to play, if they wanted to go more, more all in on this roster was trading him. So like if they were really all in on this roster, you trade for Jeremy Grant or you trade, you use Pat for, uh, to trade for somebody else, but they're sticking with him. He is getting better, just not better enough. Hopefully, maybe who knows? Maybe he'll come out and start really turning things around again after this little slump when as they come home. But I mean, these last few games, he was awful against Phoenix. He was awful against Utah. He was awful against the Warriors. He was a little better last night, but still just like not much of anything. So it's just like too many games were still like not enough, and it's not enough consistently from him. So it's like it's tough. And like I said, Jeremy Grant's averaging like twenty three a game. This three he's shooting like 45% from three. That'll probably come down, but like he's been great. Like a healthy that healthy Blazers team. I mean, hopefully, I mean, if anything, that's good for good for the Bulls of that healthy Blazers team now that Dame is back and get some more wins and get into the playoffs. So we'll see. But they got they got him for like a garbage draft pick in like cap space or something like that. Like I think they might have gotten a, tr- a trade exception. The Pistons. It was like nothing. The Bulls easily could have beaten that if they really wanted to, but they didn't. And here we are. <clears throat> Too bad they couldn't trade Portland's own pick. You know, <laughs> yeah, I know. At him. Portland pick they have because right now that pick would not convey. Portland is outside of the playoff picture after a really hot start. That's because Lillard has been hurt and Dave's yeah. coming back soon. So fingers crossed, Blazers eight seed. That might be the best case scenario for this bowl season. Is that the Blazers get the eight seed so we can just get the 15th pick in the draft and take it from there? Uh I wanted to let's like talk about the upcoming schedule. This yeah. could be like a good note to sort of. So December, a season defining month for the Bulls. They're already 0-2 because they lost to the Warriors. They lost to the Kings. So now you come home, you play Washington, Dallas, you're at Atlanta, then two against the Knicks. So four of the five games at home. Then you get a four game win or road trip where all four of these games are coin flip games. Miami, Atlanta, Knicks again. Uh, oh, it's Minnesota. Wolves, is Wolves in there. Miami, Atlanta yeah. in the Okay. And then the day after Christmas, Houston. Two days later, home against Milwaukee. And then you close the month, home against Detroit, home against the Pistons. So the Bulls have to go like, uh, they're already five games under five. 13 right games. Now. 13 games the rest of the month. I was counting this up yesterday. <laughs> okay, so how many of those games do they have to win? I'm going to say like eight. Eight and five was the number. I, like minimum, you got to go eight and five for me to like feel good going into the new year. Um, And like looking at that, like they could maybe like there's a few games like you think you look at, you think they'll lose. Like, will they beat Milwaukee again? I'd be surprised. You never know if there's injuries or there's rest gaze, rest games and stuff like that. But like, are they going to win both in Atlanta? Probably not. Are they going to beat the Knicks all three times? Probably not. The Bucks, the Cavs. The last game was against the Cavs, correct? Yeah. Yeah, the Cavs, like, that'll be a tough game. So, like, I mean, that's, like, three or four probable losses right there. The Mavs, we'll see. I mentioned the Mavs have been a terrible road team. They do still have Luka, uh, and that'll be a tough game to win, even at home, even with some rest. So, like, yeah, so, like, Eight and five, I feel like minimum eight and five get, puts you into the new year at uh, 17 and 19, I believe, right? Uh, what are they, nine and 14 right now? So, yeah, 17 and 19 into the new year. That is kind of the treading water that we've been asking for going into the new year. 
But then if you start going any worse than that, if they go seven and six, I mean, that's 16 and 20. Like that's once you're, if they're looking again, I mentioned this earlier, if they're looking at four, five, six games under 500 still going into the new year, then it's just mm, not great at all. So I think eight wins is about is a good goal here. And if they can do even better, that'd obviously be great. If they could get back around to back, get back to 500 and whatever, go whatever, even like nine and four during the stretch, that would get them back to, that would get them to 18 and 18 heading into the new year. That'd be great. Am I expecting that? That's probably a bit too much to expect, but I think eight wins is fair. They got to go eight and five, at least here for me to at least feel a little better about them going into the, into 2023. Yeah. And they could win the next 10. The next 10 games are all very winnable. If this team was like last year, I'd be looking at this stretch, like let's go 10 and up. Instead, (laughs) I'm like, we know that's not going to happen. So just do the best you can. Uh, if the Bulls blow it in December, the tank talk is going to be ratcheting up. Oh, yes. And let's be honest, it's already the story of the season. Is I mean, nationally, nationally, it's being talked about. We talked about Pina last week. Uh, Zach Lowe talked about it, I think, on his pod. Bill Simmons had his all his crazy trade ideas. And like the Lakers one is the one everyone's talked about. Damar and Vooch for Russ and like the two draft picks. Which even then, like. I mean, Vooch has, I guess, like no value right now. And like DeMar depreciating a bit. So like, I mean, whatever. I Like right now, I would not be excited about that trade. Like two draft picks that are five and seven years out. Uh, again, I'm still just kind of an anti-tanker. But the, the next one was terrible because it was like fucking Zach for like Obi Toppin and a protected first. Absolute garbage. Like absolutely not. Like Zach is under contract for five years. Not trading him for Obi Toppin and one first round pick. Get the fuck out of here. Uh, and then I think the other one was like Caruso for one of the Warriors young guys, which I mean, sure. Uh, maybe if they if they do go that route. I mean, st- the, the cameras caught Steve Kurt t- talking to Caruso after that game about, oh, we'd love to have you. You're a great player. So whatever he said. Like if we're getting to the trade deadline, the Bulls are looking to like whatever, sh- shake things up. Like I would hate to see Caruso go, but like. Crusoe for one of the Warriors young guys could be interesting if you get whatever Moody or Kaminga. I mean, maybe we know the Warriors will probably look to make a more of an all in move to win it all. But yeah, like if, yeah, if the Bulls go, we talk about the Bulls going eight and five right now. If they go whatever, six and seven, or like if they went like five and eight somehow in December, the tank talk will absolutely be going along full swing. Um, and even I might have to jump on board then if they, if the rest of December turns into a total disaster. But your thoughts on that? The other thing we didn't talk about is Billy's quote on Lonzo, which I right. think can also yes. influence their decision yes. to tank or not. So they asked Billy Donovan for a Lonzo Ball update, and he said, "quote It's been really slow. He's working through more and more, but we're but we're not close to running or cutting or contact." Said the pain issue is still improving, but not in the clear. So Lonzo is not close to running cutting or contact can you walk up a fucking flight of stairs yet because last we heard he couldn't dude he played his last game january 15th of this year we are you know basically at the 11 month point and the dude can't run he's not even close to running it's not like he's gonna be able to run around the corner so all right let's just start here there's no fucking way Lonzo. he's not playing this season no absolutely he's not playing that dream's over. My optimism for the Bulls started with the fact that, like, ah, oh, maybe we could be a few games over 500 by the time Lonzo comes back. Lonzo is not coming back. It would be a miracle if it's December and I he's he not can't close run. to running. 
<laughs> how is he going to play NBA? Yeah. How is he going to play NBA basketball in the next couple months if he can't even run right now? Like, I feel like that'd be like a shock. How is he going to enter the arena if he can't walk up a flight of stairs? <laughs> yeah, I don't want to <laughs> even laugh about this, but like, it's like so. It's just almost like so depressing. It's uh, it's funny. It's it's crazy. Like, I want to know what the hell was going on in his knee. Like, they there were rumors that there was nerve stuff going on. Like, what the hell was going on with his knee? Like, I mean, is his knee just cooked? Like, I I'm almost, I am now at the point where like, is he ever going to play again? Uh, we kind of talked about that like earlier when. This was when we when we were talking about this injury stuff. But like when you hear now that I mean it's been over two months now again since the second surgery and he can't run again or can't run right now still can't run can't cut do anything like that. Like this is getting to the point where it's like is this guy going to play in the NBA? Like and it's it's so depressing because he's so important he's so good such a fun player and it's just like what the hell is going on with this knee man? I mean we I mean we've seen we know firsthand how knee injuries have fucked star players in, in this city. We saw it happen with Derrick Rose. We've seen it happen. We saw it happen with like Brandon Roy and guys like that. Like, I mean, right now this is looking like another, this is almost looking like another situation like that. And I know D Rose ended up, ha- ended up having a long career after that, but obviously he was never close to what he was uh, at MVP Rose level. And like Lonzo has never been close to that level of player. So like, but yeah, I mean, now we're just at a point where it's like, I hope Lonzo is like able to even step on an NBA court again. At any point, it's just it's unfucking unbelievable. <laughs> so that transitions into my official take on tanking. My official take on tanking, Jason, people are looking at the Bulls and they're like, how is this team going to win a championship with what they currently have? Here's the thing. When the Bulls did this makeover, they knew they, were, they weren't going to win the championship. They were not trying to win the championship. No. By getting DeMar DeRose and Lonzo Ball, Alex Caruso. They were just trying to take a step forward. They are trying to make the playoffs. I still think it's possible they can make the playoffs. Obviously, yeah, they're going to the have East to is just not that good. in December. But, you know, could the Bulls still win 43 games? Yeah. Why not? I think it's possible. And then I think, you know, if they could do that, then you go into next year, you bring Lonzo back. Who knows what happens with Vooch? Okay, it's all very uninspiring because as sports fans, we're in it for championships, right? Yeah. I am, at least. And they don't even have any championship equity. Their championship equity is currently zero. But the thing about tanking is that tanking is always there for you. And as we've said on this podcast, even if they get the worst record in the NBA you still have a 48% chance of losing your pick to the Magic. That would be absolutely devastating. Because of the flattened odds, if they end up missing the postseason, even if they make the play-in tournament and don't make the playoffs, they're still in the lottery. There's a chance you could jump way up and jump into the top four and still keep your pick, get a shot at Wembenyama or Scoot. Uh, so I guess that's my thing on tanking. Tanking's always there for you. It's an easy way out. And... If the Bulls were to trade DeMar and Vooch and get picks, I would not be opposed to it. I think like what it really comes down to is how good are the trade offers? Like if someone makes you an offer that you can't refuse, yeah. Would you do the would you do the Lakers trade? Would you do that Lakers trade? DeMar and Vooch for Russ and two for that Lakers trade. If they do the Lakers trade, they're going to be bad for all of the 2020s. They're going to be punting the 2020s. Now you could look at the current situation and say, well, we're punting the 2020s anyway. But I do think it's possible. Like they can make the playoffs this year. Lonzo comes back. You know, maybe they make the playoffs next year. You could say 
let's look back, you know, at the end of this decade, maybe they could say we made the playoffs three, four, five years in a row, and that was successful for us. Or they could, you know, get the 27 and 29 Lakers pick. And then it's like, how are you ever going to build a good team before those picks convey? Are you going to trade those picks? It would just help with the assets. Yes. And I think in general, like, it would probably be the smarter move. You know what I've been thinking about lately, Jason? It's been keeping me up at night. We were talking about, (laughs) would we trade Zach for Anthony Davis on this podcast? And I said, well, yeah, but... I hope they don't do it because I like this team more. God, I'm so stupid. Of course you would trade Zach for Anthony Davis. What the fuck is wrong with you, Rick? In, in like the few and, weeks that's since that's happened, Anthony Davis has become like top five Anthony Davis again. So like making us look very stupid. <laughs> anyways, dude, tanking's always there for you. How do the Bulls take the next step? I would say they make the playoffs this year. Lonzo comes back. He's still good which like is that going to happen at all (laughs) total coin flip at this point like even if he does come back he might not be any good look at Kendrick Nunn this year who was never really good in the first place but Kendrick Nunn's you know basically done nothing for the Lakers this year but you know the sort of like the Bulls could justify it to themselves maybe by thinking we make the playoffs this year as the eighth seed you know we get smoked obviously but then like Lonzo comes back And then maybe we could like get back in the mix, like see what this team could do fully healthy. Now, I don't know what happens with Vooch because Vooch expires. So I could talk myself into it. I'm not like super excited to tank, but like if a team made me an offer I couldn't refuse, then I think you do it for sure. And I still think there's the possibility that the Bulls, you know, get jump up way up in the lottery, even if they don't tank. Rig the lottery. Rig the lottery. Yeah, I mean, the NBA yeah. has said multiple times they're monitoring tanking teams this year. I think, like, if there's ever a year to rig the lottery, it's this year with Women Yama and Scoot. And, you know, if the NBA was to rig it, they would probably not rig it in favor of a tanking team. They'd probably see tanking as a big embarrassment and would reward a team that tried <laughs> to build a winner and just had bad luck, like, let's say, your Chicago Bulls. So uh, that's just sort of how I feel about tanking. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, to me, it's just not not that appealing. They were so bad after trading Jimmy that, like, it could that could easily happen again. I mean, again, tanking, like, you could whatever try to tank and you could end up with whatever outside the fourth or fifth pick and end up picking a bunch of scrubs and you just keep going through the same cycle. Like, with tanking, you can sell the hope of, well, maybe we're going to be bad and maybe we're going to get the number one pick and number two pick and maybe it turns into that superstar player. Of course, then you still have to build around that superstar player because there have been plenty of situations where you get whatever a high pick and he's awesome and you never go anywhere. The Pelicans had Anthony Davis for how long? They won what one playoff series with Anthony Davis, uh, despite even having some other decent good players. You still have to build a good team, even if you have. Obviously, it is easier if you do have that generational talent and whatever tanking could lead to that. Sometimes you can draft a player who is awesome later, so it's like. Tanking gives you the hope and just like the idea of, well, you know, we're not going anywhere anyways, so let's just be bad and maybe we'll get lucky and this could happen. We can get it. We can get that star player. Well, you know what? You could also be tank suck and then keep getting bad picks and making bad picks and be just even worse and be like miserable to watch. Uh, And even if you stack like very intriguing picks together, sometimes you still just end up sucking too. I mean, like 
We'll see what happens with some of the bad. Like, I mean, Orlando's got like a nice lot of nice young players. They still suck terribly. The Rockets have some young high high draft picks. They are garbage. So like you can easily tank and still get high picks and still end up sucking for a long time just because like you still have to build a winner, build the good culture of winning. Obviously, sometimes it does work better, but like so like after all this time, like when the Bulls decided to trade Jimmy, that was a year to tank. Absolutely. Like you traded your best player. You have like no talent on your roster. Tank that season. Of course, they fucked up that tank and they blew it when they had Luka Doncic sitting there. Uh, so they screwed that up. But like, I just don't think with what the Bulls have, even though it's like not that good, it just does not appeal me, appeal to me to just like totally blow it up again and start from scratch again and just pray to get lucky. So it's like, Obviously, if this thing really does go down the tubes with with the Lonzo injury situation, and if the Bulls like keep losing, uh, and they just really suck, like leading up to the trade deadline, you can absolutely talk me more into into doing that and blowing it up, and maybe kind of re- starting from scratch again. But I would much rather at least keep try to win, see if they can get better, maybe retool, make some retooling moves, whatever those would be. Um, but we'll see. Hopefully, they don't suck because I really just don't want to watch a team that sucks again. Like, and just like not, even if they get like a nice pick, like obviously if they get, if they somehow did tank and like got Wemby, that would be exciting. You still have to actually build a winner. Exciting. Around that would be the best thing that happened to him since MJ. Well, yeah, but obviously. Again. But like, even then, even with Wemby, like you still have to hope he stays healthy and develops. The Bulls haven't developed a damn player since fucking Jimmy Butler. So like, they also can't keep anyone healthy. Yeah. Right. So it's like, even with Wemby, which would be awesome in the moment, like they would still actually have to develop him and everything would have to work out well, but like, that would obviously be great. So like, that would be the best case, of course, but like there are still plenty of ways where tank trying to tank turns absolutely south and becomes even more miserable so like i said that's why i'm not there yet that's why and that's just that is there for you uh when like at any time i know like in terms of trading assets i mean zach is again zach's on a five-year deal uh i don't think he's gonna like depreciate that much unless like he suffers another terrible injury which whatever it could happen but i mean tomorrow's so really good right now you wouldn't trade zach yeah you know for his lowest possible value yeah i mean you got guys He's never going to be healthy. We just got to get rid of him. Now, DeMar is the guy. We like we could look back at this five years right. from now and be like, why didn't they trade DeMar yeah. at peak value when he could have gotten us multiple first-round picks and he's 34 years old and he's under contract for 1.5 more seasons? Like, of yeah. course we should ditch DeMar. Right. DeMar is awesome. Dude. He's been They're fun to watch. Situation. I honestly yeah. think the Bulls are just screwed. Because I think <laughs> both packs are bad. So they're just screwed. And yeah. the best case scenario on a realistic path is they make the playoffs this year. Can they like win two games in the playoffs this year? Lonzo comes back. Lonzo's really good. You find a way to bring back Vooch, I guess, or find another center next year. And then maybe you can be like a top four team in the East. And then maybe a star wants to join you. Like that would I be think the, the best the- optimistic route. I would say the best best case scenario this season is making the play in, missing the playoffs, and getting the number one pick. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, I agree. Just because that would give you the biggest talent increase. Yeah. In the second best case scenario would be that same thing happening, and you get the number two pick. You get Scoot Henderson, yeah. then you're good to go too. So, uh, also, like, probably keep Scoot and Wemby away from the Bulls because they will hurt them and ruin them. That's just what the Bulls do. They hurt you and then they ruin. Them. <laughs> Uh, yeah, on that note, on the- right now, Jason. <laughs> on that note, we should probably wrap it up here. We've been rambling for a while, but um, the the vibes are not good. 
We are hoping for a vibe turnaround here in December here uh, with these games coming up. Again, the Bulls do not play again until Wednesday. They play at home against Washington, uh, who just got 55 dumped on them by Anthony Davis. I believe Bradley Beal got hurt in that game. I'm not sure what his status is right now. I don't know if he's going to play on Wednesday or not. Either if he plays or not, the Wizards are not good. They're mediocre as hell. This is a game on your home court. You got to beat the fucking Washington Wizards. Like, come on. The Bulls should. The Bulls lost them earlier this season. That was a road game. They got screwed on that last DeMar shot, as we've talked about. But at home, coming off a long road trip, this Wizards team's been slumping a bit. You got to win this game. And then, like I said, this weekend, you play Luka and the Mavs at home. Hopefully, you win that one, too. So, we'll see what the Bulls do. It is, it's, it's, it, we are getting to a now or never point probably with this season. I know there's still, we're only about a quarter of the way through, but, uh, I know I think the back end of the schedule gets a lot tougher again. So when these, with all these toss up games, it's time to win some games, get back into it. Because if you start, if you stay in this hole or the hole gets even deeper, uh, then you start looking into just bad stuff and possibly actually blowing it up. So we'll see. Um, that's going to do it for us here on this episode of Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. As always, shout out to the Blue Wire Network. Tons of great pods all across Blue Wire as we're in the NBA, middle of the NBA season, middle of the NFL season. we got MLB stuff going on with all the winter meetings coming up. We'll see if our stupid Chicago teams actually do anything. Let's see. And uh, yeah, for us here at Cash, please rate and review us. Give us those five-star ratings. Run after podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, all those good places. You can also follow us on Twitter. I'm at Bulls underscore J. Ricky is at SBN underscore Ricky. So, Jason Ricky, this has been Chicago uh, Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We will talk to you guys next time. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.